The European Union has come to an agreement on the Artificial Intelligence Act. And in this video, we're going to talk about what that means for you, what that means for the development of AI, and how that might protect you while also maybe taking away some rights. Smash like, smash subscribe. Let's get into the episode. All right, the AP reports Europe reaches a deal on the world's first comprehensive AI rules. European Union negotiators clinched a deal on Friday on the world's first comprehensive artificial intelligence rules, paving the way for legal oversight of AI technology that has promised to transform everyday life and spurred warnings of existential dangers to humanity. Which, you know, listen, the reason why regulation always happens because of some existential risk. Now, if you're new to the channel here, I have not been uh, silent on this fact. I recognize that there are some major changes coming to humanity. We're looking at hundreds of millions of jobs being displaced over time, huge technology improvements that we don't fully understand. And let's face it, you know, big companies, they really are just trying to make as much money as quickly as possible. You can see co consolidation of technology as well, monopolization where the rich just get enormously rich, um, where you have a massive gap of haves and have nots. I don't know exactly how this is going to roll out. Certainly the government needs to pay attention. But again, as we get deeper into this article, into this Artificial Intelligence Act, you're going to start to see um, some some points I think are really important for us to think about when we're creating legislation moving forward. Let's continue. So skipping ahead here to the European Parliament will still need to vote on the act earlier next year, but with the deal done, that's just a formality. Brando Banifi, an Italian lawmaker co-leading the body's negotiation efforts, told the Associated Press late Friday. It's very, very good, he said by text message after being asked if it included everything he wanted. Obviously, we had to take some compromise, but overall, very good. The eventual law wouldn't fully take effect until 2025 at the earliest and threaten stiff financial penalties for violations up to 35 million euros or 7% of the global company's global turnover. So as you can see, it's not fully, fully locked in yet, but it's, you know, the, the precedent has been set. It sounds like this thing is, is basically going to be good to go. Generative AI systems like OpenAI's ChatGPT have exploded into the world's consciousness, dazzling users with the ability to produce human-like text, photos, and songs, but raising fears about the risks the rapidly developing technology poses to jobs, privacy, copyright protection, and even human life itself. So we talked a little bit about jobs where organizations like the World Economic Forum anticipate over the next 12 months, 80 million jobs displaced, and huge consulting groups like McKinsey predicting 30% of the global workforce displaced over the next seven years, pretty big deal. You might say that's a big deal. You might say that's a big deal. You know, frankly, going into 2024, you know, as an AI business consultant, I can already see the writing on the wall that companies are going to really start to implement AI into their sales and customer service process. Uh, so you need to be learning this stuff. You need to be uh, up on this stuff, which by the way, if you want to keep up, you can sign up for the newsletter at AIupdate.ai. AIupdate.ai. We're going to keep you educated in the loop. The other problems that they're talking about here are privacy, which I think are important. I mean, uh, Spain actually banned ChatGPT for a period of time, citing privacy concerns. You have people like Nikki Haley, for example, making it part of her platform to say, hey, you're not going to have a social media account without submitting your social security card and your government issued ID. Um, no anonymity. So like, but where does that privacy start? You know what I'm saying? Um, do you want the government to be setting those rules? Do you want companies to be setting those rules? Should the, should we, the people be setting those rules? Uh, the privacy is a major concern, a major thought. Um, you know, anytime you're signing over terms of service to join something like Facebook, like you're basically saying, uh, my privacy, take it. Be, be with, you know, so, 
you know, do you want your privacy or do you want the convenience of having Google Maps tell you where you are and where the speed traps are and, and how to get where you want? You know, these are things that we need to be thinking about. Copyright protection. I was speaking to uh, a couple of attorneys I've actually spoken to on this, and it, it does sound like there is uh, case law, there is precedent in place to determine who owns what when it comes to copyright protection. I, I think there's a lot of hullabaloo about, uh, uh, you know, mid-journey and who owns the images that are generated from that. And so, you know, not an attorney here, but it sounds like there's enough case law. I don't necessarily know that we need a ton of new law and regulation to stop that. Um, and the human life itself, I mean, this one's pretty obvious if you've seen the Terminator, um, but, you know, more realistically, you know, you could have issues where AI um, executes an order, but doesn't really understand or comprehend all the reasons why, and maybe it sets off some nuclear bombs, starts a nuclear holocaust, maybe it shuts down power grids, um, maybe it, you know, these these AI drones um, become self-aware and start doing problems, you know, shutting, I mean, there's all sorts of existential problems to human life when it comes to what we don't fully understand about AI. Let's continue. Now, the US, UK, and China and global coalitions like the group of seven major democracies have jumped in with their own proposals to regulate AI, though they're still catching up to Europe, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I buy this. You know, China is way ahead, way ahead when it comes to developing and regulating. Uh, the advantage that China has is that they've got 5G, massive, massive programs for facial recognition software. Even in schools, they're scanning kids' brainwaves. They know when your kid is looking at the phone or taking a yawn. I mean, China has a massive advantage because of the combination uh, and the power of combining state and, um, and business. They're just going to have a, a huge advantage over the, the rest of the world. So I think that's something the world needs to be thinking about is, you know, how do we regulate in this way where we can still be a part of building the infrastructure, the AI infrastructure, the AI roadways, um, so that, you know, it's not fully dominated by one country or one company. Let's uh, skip ahead here. The AI Act was originally designed to mitigate the dangers from specific AI functions based on their level of risk from low to unacceptable. But lawmakers pushed to expand it to foundation models, the advanced systems that underpin general purpose AI services like ChatGPT and Google's Bard chatbot. Foundation models looked set to be one of the biggest sticking points for Europe. However, negotiators managed to reach a tentative compromise early in the talks, despite opposition led by France, which called itself instead for self-regulation to help homegrown European generative AI companies competing with big US rivals, including OpenAI's backer, Microsoft. So again, this is, this is the big question here. This is the big question. Do you let companies develop, accelerate, and be competitive in the market, or you do you stamp them out from a government level if they're not paying the right people, have the right lobbyists, or doing things in a way that the politicians feels above board. Again, I think there's a good discussion to be had here, um, and it's something that we'll be watching closely here on the channel. It's something that I'm certainly paying close attention to. Okay, now this part is really important here. The companies building foundation models will have to draw up technical documentation, comply with EU copyright law, and detail the content used for training. So that's a problem there because if you're an AI company and you're developing these models, you don't want to be putting all your stuff out there publicly. You know, I know there's this idea of we need to release the code, but, you know, listen, you have intellectual property. Your company has trade secrets. If you're having to give up this information, you could be putting your entire company at risk, you know, so that that's a big problem. 
It's a big problem. Now that said, we don't want companies going, um, go, go, you know, going dark on us and developing, you know, these potentially scary, serious models. Like for example, when Elon released the Twitter files, they were like, oh wow, there's a bunch of government collusion here. Like we'd like to know about that stuff upfront, right? We want to know what's happening above board. That I, I think that's important. I want all the facts. Don't protect me from the facts. Give me the facts and let me make decisions based on the facts. That's important to me. Let's keep going here. The most, this is, this is really important. Now, listen up, this is important. The most advanced foundation models that pose systematic risks will face extra scrutiny, including assessing and mitigating those risks, reporting serious incidents, putting cybersecurity measures in place, and reporting their energy efficiency. Now, that all sounds great. That sounds really important, okay? But I find this language to be very vague. Who determines the most advanced foundation models. Who determines which companies are posing risks? Because, you know, what, what, what I could see that is, let's say you have a few very large, very powerful companies, like let's take Microsoft and let's take Google, for example. They have a lot of money. They're, pay, they're funneling millions, if not, if not billions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars to political campaigns. And they could say, hey, we don't like this little company over here, ABC, that's developing. We don't like what they're doing. So we want you to stomp them out with a bunch of demagoguery and legal hurdles to get through. So, you know, what you could see, what we could see is the consolidation of data, the consolidation of information, the consolidation of these powers into, uh, or these, these, these technologies into just a few handful of companies. We do not want monopolies. Monopolies are bad. We want competition. Okay. That's important. That's important. So who is determining, who is determining, um, which companies provide, you know, have the, the greatest risks? Is it one-sided? How, how do we figure that out? While I think that that's important, what's more important is the, the people and the organizations making the decisions about which companies and which models need to be looked at more closely. Let's go just a step further here. Researchers have warned that powerful foundation models built by a handful of big tech companies could be used to supercharge online disinformation and manipulation. I, you know, uh, cyber attacks or creation of bioweapons. So like this whole idea of disinformation and manipulation to me is, is important, right? I don't want the next world war to be caused because someone creates an AI image or an AI video of Biden saying something that he didn't say. That is, is scandalous. We don't want that. The flip side, though, is like if you're getting banned for having an, you know, an opinion or I'll give you a perfect example. Last year, Joe Rogan came under scrutiny. People were saying that Joe Rogan should be banned because he had Dr. Robert Malone on his podcast to talk about COVID-19 in, in the, RN, uh, the mRNA vaccines. Dr. Robert Malone is like, is, is like one of the top leaders, but they said, well, because he doesn't, because he's not following the script. He's not, he's going, he's creating quote unquote misinformation. We got to ban him. We got to ban Rogan. We got to go after Spotify. So like this, this scares me. You know, I, I do think that it's, it's going to be a really, it, so one way that I think that we could fight this misinformation just as a way of legislating it personally um, is if something is AI generated, it needs to be, it needs to be um, notified. You need to know that it's AI generated. If someone releases an AI picture of DeSantis or Biden doing something, I want, there should be a little stamp or a community note or something that says this is an AI generated image. 
I think that's important. What's not good enough is coming back a week or two weeks later and saying, oh, you know that, that image you saw, that, that was actually AI generated. The damage has been done. The news cycle has already moved on. Nobody cares. Nobody sees the recall. All people see and all people feel is what happened in that moment when they saw that image or saw that video. So I think that there should be some sort of timestamp on AI generated image. Um, I, you know, I'll put uh, some links in the comments here on some other, uh, in the notes here on some other videos that I've recorded on that topic. Uh, because Meta has taken some action on that. But, you know, we, we as a public, I want to know if it's AI generated. I think that's important. So that's, a, I think, a safe way of regulating, which is a, across the board. Across the board. This is not like a, a small board of advisors of seven super powerful, well-paid people uh, determining what's misinformation, um, but rather just objectively saying, is this AI generated? Yes, we'll put a tag on it. Is it AI generated? No, we won't tag it. I think that's a pretty uh, objective way of handling it. Uh, this is important here. Uh, rights groups also caution that lack of transparency about data used to train the models might, uh, models poses risks to daily life because they act as basis structures for software developers building AI-powered services, right? We've been through that. Now, this is important. What became the thorniest topic was AI-powered facial recognition surveillance systems. And, negotiator, and negotiators found a compromise after intensive bargaining. European lawmakers wanted a full ban on public use of face scanning and other remote biometric systems because of privacy concerns. Interesting, just ban them completely. But governments of member countries succeeded in negotiating exemptions so law enforcement could use them to tackle serious crime, crimes like child sexual exploitation or terrorist attacks. Okay, so a lot here. Let me finish reading here. Rights groups said they were concerned about the exemptions and other big loopholes in the AI Act, including lack of protection for AI systems used in migration and border control and the option for developers to opt out of having their systems classified as high risk. All right, so we, we got to talk about this facial recognition stuff because on one hand, listen, I'm a father. My greatest fear, and I don't know if you've seen the Sound of Freedom movie, Pretty shocking movie. Um, child trafficking is a $150 billion industry. It's, it's so shocking. It's so terrible. So if you were to tell me, hey, we can use facial recognition software to protect kids, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. Like I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old kid. The, my greatest fear is that they get kidnapped and I never see them again. Great, greatest fear right there. But if you're telling me that we've got video surveillance and facial recognition technology and, you know, it's, it's basically impossible to kidnap them because the surveillance systems are so powerful that they can find them anywhere in the world, like, that, that helps me sleep at night. The problem is, and if you've seen this Will Smith movie, Enemy of the State, you know that that can easily be turned against you. That can be easily turned against political opponents. That can be easily turned against, um, against the people Right. I mean, like, again, just to, to go back to COVID, because the, I, do, do people not remember what happened in 2020? There were a lot of rights that were fringed upon businesses being shut down, uh, no freedom of movement. You know, if you if you don't get a vaccine, you can't work. You can't go to the grocery store. You can no longer be a member of society. There were truckers that were in Canada that were protesting against this and the government shut down their bank accounts like you, if you implement AI-powered video surveillance, facial recognition softwares, you are ushering in the next era of humanity where AI programs are able to monitor 
Every single thing that you do, everywhere you go, everywhere you look. I mean, I don't, it, it might just be inevitable at this point. But, you know, when you, you know, these people are very, very intelligent. Okay. The surveillance state is very intelligent. And if they know that my greatest fear is having my children kidnapped, they can use that to say, hey, Mark, we need this. Because what are you going to do if your kids get kidnapped? We're going to use the facial recognition technology to get them back. We're going to get them back, Mark, so you'll be okay. And I'll say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. But what they're not, what you're not understanding is, is, is that there's a lot of other potential risks and problems that you might not foresee. You might not foresee it. So I think this is, is really important for us to keep in mind as citizens and stewards of, of one another, right? Listen, there's no doubt in my mind that AI is going to completely transform the way that the world works, the way that humans interact. And obviously we're covering it on this channel. Thanks for liking, subscribing. I'm going to keep bringing you the newest news. But we, 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 we need to look at the whole picture when we're developing these regulation systems. While I, I totally agree that things need to be done, you cannot displace 30% of the global workforce and not have problems to humanity. Agreed. But is using government AI facial recognition software and surveillance a good idea? There's a lot of hazards there. Is, you, is, is, is using and applying small government bodies and small boards to regulate up-and-coming AI developers a good idea? Well, there's risks there too. So let's keep the dialogue open. Thanks for subscribing. I'll catch you in the next video. Peace.